Hello, and welcome to the Innovation Insight podcast brought to you by the Walton Institute. In this podcast, we present a webinar hosted by Dr. Alberto Huerta Celdran and Sergio Lopez Bernal, in which they talk about cybersecurity and cybersecurity for brain computer interfaces. Thank you very much. I'm Alberto Huerta, a postdoctoral researcher of the group. And my main background is cybersecurity. So the idea of this talk, my main idea with this talk is to give you an overview of three of the research line in which I'm collaborating with some, you know, some researchers from other, from other organizations and universities. The first uh, topic that I would like to mention is the continuous authentication in the smartphones and personal computers. The second one is the detection and mitigation of ransomware in clinical environments. And the third one also aligned with the next talk uh, presented by Sergio and aligned with his PhD thesis is the cybersecurity in brain computer interfaces. So related to the first topic, uh, the continuous authentication concept arose with the objective of improving the the limitation of traditional uh, authentication mechanisms. And basically, this kind of uh, traditional authentication system, they are based on something that you that you remember or something that you have, like, for example, a password, a token, a pin code, a pattern, and so on. And the main, the main problem that they have is that they can be stolen or they can be forgotten. Another limitation of traditional system is that they just authenticate the user from time to time. In our, for example, when we use our smartphone and we introduce our code or our our pattern, we don't introduce the the code until the device is locked and again unlocked. But what happened during the period that we are using the device? And and the last the last problem the last limitation is that they are intrusive systems, which means that you have to stop doing whatever you were doing and then introduce your 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 credential your authentication credential and then you know go back to, to the thing that you were doing. So the idea behind the continuous authentication uh, concept is that. You know, the, we monitor the behavior of the user when he or she interacts with uh, with his device, like for example, a smartphone or a personal computer. And you know, we monitor this interaction for a given period of time, normally two, three weeks, and we create a behavior profile. And once we have the pre the profile. We normally use artificial intelligence, we train a model, and then in real time, basically, we compare or we evaluate how similar is the behavior of the person, the behavior of the device, compared to the well-known uh, model that we have trained. Uh, this evaluation gives a, give us a, a result, and if the result is higher than a threshold that we established, we can say that the owner or the, the, the person using the device is the owner, and if it's lower, uh, it uh, could be a, an attacker. So in this in this topic, I mean, our 
Our research work is focused on two different scenarios. The first one is focused on smartphones, and the second one is in personal computers. And, you know, talking about the smartphone scenario, uh, as I was saying, we basically create profiles. And in this scenario, we create the profiles according to two different dimensions, like the application statistics and the sensor data. So we look at you know features or data like for example uh, you know the number of applications running in parallel, the number of applications that we have in our smartphone in, in background, the patterns that we have to change from one application to another, uh, even also the you know the position of the mobile and the inclination of the smartphone when we use it. The, the hand with which we use the, the device, the vibration when we type, uh, and so on. So in terms of, this is for the smartphone scenario, for the personal computer, we also use the application statistics, but also mouse and keyboard uh, data, like for example, you know, the movement that we, that we do with the, with the mouse, the clicks, the, the mistakes that we make, when we type, how fast we type, and all this kind of, of data. So considering this, this dimension and this feature, we generate uh, a profile, as I was commenting, and, and we evaluate in real time the, the profile. So here I want to show you uh, a video, which is basically a prototype. We have created a couple of prototypes, one for the smartphone scenario and another for the personal computer. and. And here I just want to show you uh, how our system, how our solution works in a in a real in a real environment. We already here in this video we are going to see how the system is working in real time, which means that we already have trained the model that I was commenting, and then in real time we are evaluating the behavior of the person against the the model, the well-known model. At the beginning of the of the video, we will see the owner interacting in his home way with the with the laptop, and later we will change the 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 person interacting with the device with the laptop, and we will see how the the system is able to detect that you know the owner is not using the device and it will be locked. So here we can see that different applications like a web browser and you know. The, the user is using the the trackpad, the mouse, the, the keyboard, different application to see the PDF, to write, everything is, you know, here there is no restriction. Basically the user is, you know, using the laptop in his own way. And every minute our solution is running in background. Every minute is monitoring the behavior and it's uh, evaluating if this behavior is, you know, it's uh, aligned with the with the behavior of the of the model, the well-known model. Now we have seen that we have changed the user, and now this is we are simulating that we have an attacker using the same applications, using the trackpad in his own way as well, and using the you know the keyboard and everything. And we will see now in the video uh, like the like the system. I'm sorry. Like the system is able to detect that the the user interacting with the device is not the owner, and then the the device will be locked. 
If we wait, yes. Here we will see. Yeah, he's writing now. Here we can see that the the you know the, the laptop has been locked, and the, which means that the system has detected that the the the, the user interacting with the device is not there. So basically, here we already have a prototype for the for the smartphone uh, device, the uh, prototype for the personal computer, and now we are working on the integration of both for an IoT scenario. You know, creating profiles belonging to different or multi-device profiles. Okay, so that's the the current the the ongoing work that we have in this in this research line. So the second the second topic that I would like to mention in this talk is the, the, the detection and mitigation of ransomware in clinical environments. So a ransomware basically is a kind of malware which infects the, a device, uh, encrypts or cipher the, the data, requests a ransom or requests some money to get back our data, and then spread across the spreads across the the network to repeat the process and you know and and cipher and encrypt other other data belonging to different uh, devices of the network and nowadays this is a real problem of the clinical sectors uh, last year in 2019 the 60 64% uh, of medical organizations hospitals they reported some problem with this kind of ransomware. And ransomware right now is the 85% of the malware in the clinical environment. And we already have, you know, hospital that they had to pay some money to, to get back uh, their data. And the, the limitation right now in the state of the art is that current uh, antivirus and, you know, intrusion detection system and firewalls, they are not able to detect new families of this kind of uh, ransomware because they are based on signatures and signatures are based on you know on something that you already know you know existing uh, malware existing ransomware so our 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 idea here our contribution or our proposal is to monitor the behavior of the clinical uh, network which is basically a normal network with different uh, clinical devices or medical devices and also data set and databases and, and so on. So the idea is to monitor the behavior of the, of the communication of those devices to create a fingerprint. And once we have the fingerprint, we model, we train an artificial intelligent model and then in real time, we evaluate how similar is the behavior of the whole network compared to the to the model. In this in this in this approach, we were considering classification and and anomaly detection to detect well-known uh, well-known ransomware and also new new families of ransomware. So once we detect the, the ransomware using the software-defined networking paradigm, we were able to, you know, to isolate the device, blocking the communications, and using the, the network function virtualization technique, we were able to replace the infected software. 
And very quickly, yes, the, the last the last point that I want to mention is the brain-computer interfaces. Sergio is going to talk more in detail in this area, but you know, a brain-computer interface is a device which is able to connect our brain with external uh, elements or external devices, and then in both ways. So when I say in both ways, I mean that we are able to record neural activity, but also we are able to uh, stimulate and inhibit uh, neural activity or the activity of individual neurons. And here, basically, we are looking at the current vulnerabilities of existing, you know, interfaces. And we are also proposing new cyber attacks to later detect and mitigate uh, this kind of cyber attacks. So that's, that's all from my side. Thank you very much for your attention. And if you have any questions, Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Does anyone have any questions? Yeah, I have, I have a question. Can you hear me? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, for the for, for the first one, the continuous authentication on smartphones and um, uh, and, and personal computers, I have two, I have two questions. One is um, when when the machine is locked, okay. So suppose I, I you know I have a normal workflow and your system follows my normal workflow. It says this is how he behaves. That's fine. Um, but suppose I my my workflow changes, and then I get locked. So then what what happens at that point then? So I log back in. I put my password back in, and does it learn from that that okay this workflow is slightly changed. This is a new workflow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah. yeah. We have two approaches, but one one of them is that we retrain the model from time to time to learn new behaviors of the person. Because, well, imagine that because you know you in, install a new a new application, and then what happened? If, you know, you have trained the model without this application, and then you you do something like that. So because of that, we are training periodically the model. And we are able to adapt to little changes in the in the behavior of the person. That's that's one of the approaches that we are considering right now. Okay, so if I, I, my my second question is in relation to smartphones. So if you install a service like this on a smartphone, I just wondering what the um, particularly for the two popular um, the two popular platforms, iOS and Android. Um, what are the system-wide permissions needed to do that? Because, you know, I think probably, certainly from iOS point of view, if you install a service like this, it, may, it probably will not get approval in the App Store. What's your, what's your approach to that? Because this is kind of monitoring what users do across all applications. Yeah. Well, right now we have created a prototype for Android, and the kind of permission that we request is the the sensors data and the application statistics. This is something that because I didn't have enough time to comment into details what kind of you know data we are you we are getting from the application, but actually we are not getting sensitive data. We are just getting a statistic information. We are not getting you know real data from from user. This is a you know a mandatory aspect that we that we consider from the beginning of our of our approach. And you know, this is something that right now is working as a prototype and a proof of concept. 
and the permission that we that we request is the sensor data and the statistics information uh, statistic uh, information from the application point of view okay thank you thank you very good no problem thank you Okay, guys, we're just tight on time, so we might just move over to Sergio. Thanks very much for that, Alberto. Um, Sergio, if you want to share your screen. Uh, yeah, sure. Just a moment. Okay, sure. Okay. See the presentation? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, perfect. So I'm Sergio Lopez. Uh, I'm a second year PhD student under the supervision of Alberto. And I'm going to organize this presentation in two parts. The first one is to introduce the work we've been, we've been doing, uh, reviewing the state of the art on BCI concerning cybersecurity. Uh, in this work, we detected uh, new future challenges that introduced the second part of the presentation, which is how to uh, how we are uh, developing neuronal cyber securities, uh, sorry, neuronal cyber attacks to affect the neural uh, behavior. So, uh, focusing on the review of the state of the art, uh, we identified uh, in the literature uh, different families or different classifications of type of BCIs. So we will focus in this presentation in the first one, which is, which is the level of invasiveness. In the figure, we can see that this classification is um, composed by three families, which is uh, invasive, partial invasive, and non-invasive. And we detected uh, three main risks. And in the in the radar plot, we can see uh, four uh, different um, dimensions, which are integrity, confidentiality, and so on. So our idea was to for to analyze for each family and each, each risk in these four dimensions which ones are the the more which have the the highest impact so for that we uh, measure that impact in a scale between zero and three being zero uh, non uh, uh, low risk and three the highest risk possible so these four dimensions are uh, integrity which uh, means uh, the protection of uh, private data in a way that it cannot be modified or manipulated during a communication. Confidentiality refers to the protection of the data to only be accessed by authorized users. Availability is to uh, guarantee that services or applications are um, available, are ready to use when they are required. And finally, safety, which is one of the most important because we are working with uh, the, the, the brain of the people. So we need to ensure that these devices offer uh, the uh, preserve the physical integrity of users. So after this analysis of classifications, uh, we analyze, uh, we saw that uh, there were a lot of different works that uh, define different uh, functional functioning cycles of BCI. So our contribution in this work was to unify them in a, in a global vision uh, doing a differentiation between uh, neural data acquisition and how these BCIs work for neural uh, stimulation. So focusing on the first figure, uh, we can see that uh, the brain uh, gets external stimuli and with this stimuli it generates a neural activity. 
And so we will focus in a, in a use case in which the, the user is thinking that he wants to move a robotic arm to the right, for example. So that user intention is transmitted to the BCI. It's acquired. And those brain signals need to be uh, processed in phase number three because we need to amplify the signal, remove the noise, and finally do a conversion from analog to digital signals. That signals are uh, decoded in phase number four using machine learning uh, algorithms because, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the user has an intention to perform a task. So this is the moment when the, the system needs to extract exactly which is the, the intention desired. And with that intention decoded, the intention is sent to the application to perform the task. And finally, we can uh, send a feedback, an optional feedback to the user to define a closed loop approach. Uh, focusing on neural stimulation, the, the workflow is counterclockwise counter because we are starting the application. The doctor or even the user defines the stimulation parameters. So, sorry, uh, stimulation action. This action is decomposed in phase number four to define different firing patterns. And those patterns to stimulate the neurons are in, in phase number three uh, converted to indicate the stimulation specific parameters for, for the process. So for example, the, the voltages of each single neuron or the time separation between those spikes. And finally, in, in the stage number two, and the BCI performs the stimulation. So why it's important to analyze this cycle? because our approach was to analyze the functioning of the cycle to detect uh, attacks and countermeasures to to uh, fight against these attacks so that's what we did in the in this revision this huge uh, figure indicates in the central column the different attacks that uh, we detected well those with a reference are those detected uh, in the state of the art and those without a number are our contribution. In the first column, we have the impacts associated with those attacks. It's one with a, a color to, to, to perform a map. And we can see, I don't know if you can see the, the mouse. Here, you have a little icon representing the, the, the cycle. And in which in each one of the stages, we indicate a color blue or red indicating that blue is something, an impact that we uh, detected. It's our contribution, and those in red are detected in the state of the art. And finally, the last column is uh, refers to the countermeasures detected uh, to uh, fight against these attacks. Because this image uh, contains a lot of information, we will simplify to focus only on one single attack. User adversarial attacks uh, aim to present malicious stimuli to users to, for example, we can see in the confidentiality box to obtain uh, sensitive information. So it's well known in the BCI, BCI cybersecurity world that um, when you present, uh, uh, for example, an image or uh, a sound to the user, the neural activity, it's different when you present a known stimuli compared to those stimuli that you don't know. So based on that, we can uh, get um, sensitive information of the users, and also we can uh, disrupt the normal uh, functioning. For example, you are trying to do a task and someone uh, plays a sound or 
show you an, uh, an image. So everything can be disrupted and, and consider a, a sensitive information such as the, the clinical one. So that would be catastrophic. And finally, to fight against these attacks, there have been uh, two countermeasures in the literature, uh, which are uh, training sessions and serious game, which aim to uh, teach users the risk that uh, these uh, technologies can have. And finally, we'll, uh, we, uh, as our contribution, we define external monitoring system as a solution to monitor everything that it's uh, going on around the user, everything that he's seeing or hearing, to detect that if there is an attack uh, going on. So after this cycle, and after this work in general, we uh, detected four main challenges. The, the first one is that uh, BCI devices uh, are not uh, compatible between them because they they lack standards. They are they have not been defined using well-known standards, and they are uh, manufactured specific specifically to solve uh, specific problems. So they are not quite generic. Uh, in addition, we detected that they are not extensible in the way that you cannot uh, include new capabilities and that concerns cybersecurity because if we are not able to put on top of all those protocols cybersecurity protocols uh, it's it's a difficult situation in addition uh, there is no privacy management in terms that the user cannot define which profiles concerning its uh, um, privacy he can define uh, and also it doesn't include uh, privacy regulations such as the com uh, such as complying with the GDPR for example and finally and the most important in this presentation uh, the previous image I presented to you was only focused to uh, data acquisition not neurostimulation why because uh, in the literature there's no related work of uh, cybersecurity or neurostimulation. So we detected a great opportunity to continue my, my, my thesis, my research, focusing on how a neurostimulation device can be vulnerable and taking an advantage of those vulnerabilities to perform neuronal attacks. So in this link, you have the, the preprint of this uh, survey we, we created, if you are interested. And finally, moving to the second part of the presentation, uh, I'm going to explain a little what we are currently doing. So we define a motivating case based on Neuralink. Neuralink is a company and a prototype created by Elon Musk, the founder of PayPal and Tesla and a lot of different companies. So what we detected in this uh, prototype that they presented is that uh, these uh, scenarios are potentially vulnerable, uh, focusing on the, on the image. Uh, you have different implants in your brain. They are connected with wires to uh, an implanted coil under the ear. It communicates wirelessly with a pod, which is a constrained device, like a, an IoT device placed under your, your ear and on the, 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 the skin, so it's not implantable. And finally, this pod communicates via Bluetooth uh, to a smartphone, and the smartphone is the, the device that contains all the logic so for example, you can program how the stimulation work and, and you can 
update the firmware of the of the pod, the cybersecurity, and, and everything. So you can see here the problem. And it is that smartphones are vulnerable. We can think about uh, malware attacks, for example. And the bots is a constrained device. So all the limitations are threats that IoT devices can have. They also apply to, to the bot. So considering the objectives, uh, in this paper, we, we want to uh, focus on overstimulation attacks. And for that, uh, we want to implement two well-known cyber, cyber attacks from computer science world, which are port scanning and flooding. Specifically for this context, uh, port scanning is based on attacking one neuron, a neuron sorry, per, uh, per unit of time, while flooding consists in attacking multiple neurons. And after the implementation of these attacks, we want to analyze the impact that they can have over neuronal activity. So what we are doing right now, or what we've done so far, is uh, we have implemented these two attacks, focused on overstimulation, uh, in a neuronal simulation called Brian2. Uh, we have focused our work in the visual cortex uh, using, uh, well, uh, taking into account a, a use case based on a mouse trying to exit a maze. And right now, what we are doing is analyzing the results that we got based on those experiments and those simulations. And finally, what we want to do in the future is, as we are focusing only in overstimulation attacks, we also want to work with uh, inhibition behaviors. Uh, we also want to try different types of neurons across different regions of the brain. And finally, we consider that, that it's really interesting to perform the attacks and see how everything behaves on simulated brains, but it's more important to be able to detect those attacks, both the attacks that we define and those that can come in the future. So we need um, the capabilities to adapt to, to new challenges in the future. So this is a quick overview of the work that we have done and we are doing these days. So thank you so much for your attention and any one of you have uh, any question. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Innovation Insight podcast. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other podcast streaming services. For more information on the Walton Institute, check out our website at www.waltoninstitute.ie and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Bye for now.